Deuteronomy 6, 4-7 Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Now let's jump into the message. Okay, as I said, uh, today we're talking about a, um, a survival guide to parenting. So if you feel like you're barely surviving in here, I'm with you. I mean, I really feel disqualified to ever watch my, my children alone. So I don't know if you're like that, but I'm so glad that I have my wife around to help me out where I mess things up. Um, but so we have six children, um, and I don't recommend that if you like, you know, time or money or things like that. We tell everybody we wanted a big family, but really we just had issues with birth control. So I don't know if you're supposed to say that in church, but I did. So um, I can remember one time after church, we, um, we went into an Arby's and there was another family in there. And this family was so well put together, right? Well put together. They, um, the, the kids' hairs were, were, were just nicely parted and combed and there was no stains on their shirts. And they were all eating politely, quietly. And then I come in, and then here comes my kids. And it's like Lord of the Flies preschool, right? You know, one of them's got like snot just dried to her face. The other one's wearing a diaper for a hat, right? And this is painful because I, when I'm looking at them, I'm like, we're, we're terrible at this. Like, how are we ever going to figure out this parenting thing, right? And we learned long ago that it's more important for us to uh, not worry about what people see more than putting God first in our home, okay? And so that's our first point today. We are in the first of a three-week series on parenting, and the first, obviously, is to put God first. Next week, we are doing discipline with love, which they wouldn't let me teach because apparently cages in the basement isn't loving, so um, we'll, let, we'll let Mike do that one, but... Um, and then the third week is affirming your kids. So I would encourage you guys, if you, um, if you really want help in parenting, please invite your friends. And if you're in here and you're not a parent, um, we're a community here, right? So you've heard the saying, it takes a village, right? I mean, me and Amber were talking before about how she was watching my most stubborn kid that I've ever had, my youngest. Oh my gosh, she's terrible. Like we have to, we have to call in extra staff members just to watch her in the nursery, right? So... Um, yeah, so it takes, it, it takes all of us. It takes help. And so if you're in here and you're not a parent, um, please know that we appreciate you and the stuff is still, still good for you to hear. All right, so by a show of hands, how many of you guys um, have ever blown it in your parenting? You've blown it in something. Okay, so, so look around. Um, you got to keep your hands up. We're still in class. Okay, all right, so look around. We're not perfect. Okay, you can put them down now. Um, we're not perfect. None of us are perfect. All right. So as we're surviving, as we go, we are trying to figure this thing out. And I'm under the impression that we are all a part of broken families and are from broken families. Why? Because families are full of broken people, right? We're all sinners. We all need Jesus, don't we? So putting God first. I want to give you guys a little bit of background. We, you just heard her talk about the Shema, but I really want to unpack the background of Deuteronomy. So in Deuteronomy, it's, it literally means second giving of the law, okay? And so what happened was they entered into a covenant at Mount Sinai, the Israelites, and Deuteronomy is a renewing of that covenant, 
okay? It's at the end of Moses' life, and he's giving instruction to the Israelites in a series of speeches, okay? And it's meant to teach every generation before they go into the land, okay? And this is, uh, Deuteronomy is the first indication where we get this distinction between um, like a heaven and a hell. Even though it doesn't actually mention heaven and hell, it talks about um, blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience, giving us this distinction between two places in the Bible, okay? So for the Israelites, um, in order to be a covenant people or putting God first, meant to be obedient, right? It was an attack on our obedience. It was, a, it was instructions for obedience, okay? So just saying putting God first um, already is pushing against um, our cultural mindsets, right? Our kids are getting attacked from every angle, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or TV, um, on what sex is, what truth is, what love is. And it's funny how it all runs contrary to the Bible. It's almost like the enemy is at work trying to deceive our kids from a very young age, right? And so I think that he knows that if he can get them young, right? He can have power. Even Adolf Hitler knew this, right? Adolf Hitler said, if you give me the textbooks, I will give you the state. Because he knew that if he could get into a young person's mind very young, that he could have power over them, okay? And so it's a great thing to think about when we're talking about um, how to shape and mold our kids. But what's our role in that? Uh, Christian Smith, who is a sociology professor at Notre Dame, says this, the most common attribute in college students that continue to be believers after they leave home is parents who are active believers and taught their kids, right? So the most common stat is that what you believe, your kids are going to believe. I know it doesn't always happen that way, but statistically, right? And it does line up with what we'll find out in Scripture here pretty soon. Book of Hebrews says that we're responsible for the people that are under our care, right? And that's in any capacity. If you're a boss at work, but most often... It's us being parents over our kids, being responsible for their care, right? So we need to put God first. Okay, here's the first slide. Uh, parenting is like everything else in life. If you put God first, the rest falls into place. And um, yeah, so having God at, in, in the safety zone in the center really helps us with um, with us staying into his will. But one of the most important things is um, us really looking at paying attention to where our hearts are, where our loves are, right? So what gets your affections? What gets your kids' affections, all right? I mean, is, after all, isn't biblical idolatry anything that surplants Jesus as first in our lives? Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Putting God first is a heart issue. It's something that's in our heart. We have loves that run contrary to what God wants for us, right? Um, I think about, like, my wife. Uh, my wife can probably get me to do uh, more things than anybody else in this room can, right? Uh, I hate the grocery store. Any other guys don't like the grocery store in here? Okay, I actually, I, I loathe it. I, I feel part of my soul dying when I walk in, the, when I walk in there. And my wife will spend... Uh, three to four hours in there, like hanging out, reading ingredients on pinto beans. Like, I don't know. She doesn't really. It's not that bad. But 
But either way, I mean, I, I mean, if you're like me, I'm, oh my gosh, like I have it mapped out. I'm trying to get out of there in 10 minutes, but not her. But my point with that is that she can get me to do things that nobody else can. Why? Because I love her, right? And so when we're looking at God and we're trying to get our kids to obedient, be obedient, um, it's more important that we're shaping and molding their hearts, right? And Jesus does this, right? James K. Smith, who is a Christian philosopher, says this. He says, Jesus is a teacher who does not just want to inform our intellect, but form our very loves. He isn't content to simply deposit new ideas into our mind. He's after nothing less than our wants, our loves, our longings, right? So we're primarily a heart, primarily a heart people. So I love um, Hostess Cupcakes. Um, like I can't walk past the rack without buying them. But I know in my head that I'm not supposed to eat them because they make me feel terrible about an hour later, right? But it doesn't stop me. Why? Because I love them, right? And so think about that when we are talking about how to uh, get our kids to be obedient. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he or she should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Okay, so really quick, Proverbs is wisdom literature in the Bible. And how wisdom literature works in the Bible is its best practice. So Proverbs aren't actually promises. It's a best course of action, meaning it's not always going to happen that way, but the odds are it might. Okay, so I just wanted to say that because sometimes we can read Proverbs wrong and think that when things don't happen that way that the Bible's not right or God's not real and things like that. So... Um, but the word train in there means to stimulate the taste buds. And the idea was uh, like for a nursing mother to stimulate the taste buds of her baby. And I won't go further than that for my own comfort, but um, basically what he's saying is we need to stimulate our kids with what? With the gospel. It's a gospel. We need to be always pointing them to Jesus, right? So as we go... Um, our kids are running into problems with relationships or school or authority or any of that stuff. These are, these are opportunities for us to point them to Jesus, to find shadows of the gospel and everything, right? Okay, so here's, uh, two, here's two passages. One was written by Moses and one was written by Jesus, and they have a similar message. So I'm just going to read them to you. Stay on the path that the Lord your God has commanded you to follow, and then you will live long and prosperous lives in the land. And you are about, that you're about to occupy and enter and occupy. And then Jesus says this after. He says, seek first the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Okay, so I want to just briefly say what this passage is speaking, what it's saying and what it's not saying. Um, it's mostly pe- uh, speaking from a practical perspective that there's peace and there's peace and unity. It's a picture of unity. How a society should work together perfectly is when everybody's in harmony walking with God. So what this is not saying is that um, we're never going to experience sickness, that uh, our kids are going to turn out perfect. It's not saying any of that. Okay? Colossians actually talks about everything uh, being broken in the fall and that Jesus is reconciling all things to himself. Okay, So... Um, 
so yeah, when we are teaching our kids, we need to, uh, yes, we're teaching them that he's providing for our needs. But Matthew 6 is definitely talking about our anxiety towards those things. So I think when we're training our kids, it's super important that we are training them to trust God. And have you ever thought about it? Um, if your kids see you anxious and see you not trusting God with finances or with things like that, what are they going to do? They're going to model your behavior, you know? And all of us have seen the brunt and of uh, the things that we've modeled um, explode in our kids, right? I mean, every one of us has seen our own sin in our kids magnified because that's how it works, isn't it? It's like hooking your life up to a microphone. So we all have that. Okay, so the commandment to obey applies to every generation. Parents obey God and kids obey their kids. Now, when I thought of this, I thought of legacy. Um, so what is, what is your family legacy? Um, now, back in the day, I guess it was kind of more like what you would do for a living. If your family was a shoemaker or a carpenter or anything of that sort, that was kind of like your family legacy. But biblically, we see this idea of the torch of the gospel being passed down from generation to generation. So this is the main point of what we're doing when we're parenting, right? We're, we're hoping and praying that our kids' kids' kids would know Jesus because of the things that we did here, right? That's the most important thing. And I, f I just feel like that that's the most important thing for Christian disciples to do is to make disciples, and kids are little disciples, right? And so three things that really uh, get us into trouble when it comes to this. Number one is unity in marriage. And I'm aware that um, everybody in here m might not be married and their circumstances and struggles, and God can meet us where, where we're at. But I really do think that God's plan A was for a husband and wife to be, to be married, right? And for... Um, them to be in unity and model that for their kids, right? And so um, this isn't easy, right? I mean, my wife's American Indian. They didn't always like white people, just saying, right? Um, so we have, we have differences. We have struggles. Uh, I, have, uh, I drive five over the speed limit. She drives five under, right? I, I'm probably never going to get her to drive five over, and she's never going to get me to drive five under. But on the big things we mostly agree on, right? God, family, those are the important things. It's unity and diversity, which is actually where we get the word university from, but nothing in this world can actually give us unity and diversity but the Trinitarian God of the Bible. So, uh, number two, uh, men, your spiritual leaders in your home. And I know that this runs opposite of culture, but it's a biblical concept. And I'm horrified at male apathy in this area to think that it's either the mom's job or it's a youth pastor's job to, I mean, the spiritual dynamic of your home is your responsibility biblically. And it's difficult for some of us to hear, but I believe it's true. And it's a, it's a leadership out of humility, okay? There's that verse that says, uh, love your wife like Christ loves the church. How did Christ love the church? He died, right? So... Uh, spiritual leadership is a, uh, a death process where we are um, denying ourselves and trying to serve our families. And it's the hardest thing you'll ever do, right? Um, broken and contrite spirit pleases the Lord. And so that's the sort of attitude that we need to have. And then what are we teaching? 
Um, I don't want to give you guys a list of things to teach, but we do have resources on Pursue God uh, if you are interested in looking for some things to teach. But I wanted to kind of look at the overall idea of what, teach, what we should be teaching. And the first thing I'll say is we want to make sure that we're not teaching um, the world's concepts in our home when it comes to teaching our kids. Because, I mean, if you think about it, by all cultural and moral standards, my atheist neighbor might be a better father than me, right? So we can't go by the world's standards. We've got to go by what the Bible, st- what the Bible says. Second Peter 1.16 says, Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths, but train yourself in godliness. So the question isn't, are you discipling your kids? It's what you're discipling them in. Are you discipling them in irreverent, silly myths? Or are we training them in godliness? All right, so really quick, I wanted to go back to the Ten Commandments. What happened? I'm just going to stop touching this thing. Yep, we're done. Sorry. Let's just go to Deuteronomy 6.13. I'm going to skip that. Basically, my point was on the Ten Commandments that the first four are about God and the last five are about people. And it's almost like the uh, honor your parents, which is right, right there, number five, is like a hinge point, right? Because it, it focuses every relationship. So every future relationship really depends on um, your kid's ability to honor you in the home, Right? So check this out. Uh, these commandments and decrees and regulations that the Lord, uh, <clears throat> the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you, you must obey them in the land and you are about, that you're about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all my decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel. Be careful to obey. So obviously, um, the main thrust there is obey. Okay? And so what I thought of is that basically all of us have some level of authority. The question is, how do we handle it, right? And Jesus modeled this. He um, submitted to rulers rulers and authorities, and he led as a humble servant. So we need to model that. Let's go to Ephesians. Did I skip Ephesians? Yep. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For it is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you. And you will have a long life on the earth. And so Moses is giving us a picture again of a perfect society. It's interesting that he applies implies honoring your father and mother uh, with a cohesive society, right? And so it's how things work in unison for us to be that way, right? So we need to teach our kids not just to listen to us because we're all knowing, but because it's a forming process that will affect every future relationship of their life. Wholehearted obedience should impact every part of our lives, both personally and as a family unit. So uh, the first thing I thought of with this was uh, Galatians 5. Um, So if you remember in Galatians 5, when he's talking about 
walking with the Spirit and keeping in step with the Spirit. Um, what does he say? He says, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And none of us have all these attributes, right? Because who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus, right? And so we need to model Jesus in our homes. But one thing I like about what he says after that is he says, against such things, there is no law. It means that you can't legislate matters of the heart. So we can put a law against a thief to stop him from stealing, right? Or to punish him for stealing. But we can't make a law that gets to the heart of the thief that stops him from stealing in the first place, right? And so it's just a good idea when it comes to um, how to raise our kids. Okay, so let's do the Shema really quick. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I'm giving you today. You must commit yourself, yourselves wholeheartedly to the commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk to them about when, talk to them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. So, I mean, I think as we go, we're continuing to talk to our kids. I mean, one of the, I think, problems is we're always trying to create some sort of big, huge Bible study um, or something that's going to teach our kids theological thoughts. But I think as we go, uh, if we're continuing to... Um, if we're continuing to love them that way by teaching them and always talking to them about about that stuff. I think that would be good. All right, so I got a couple um, got a couple uh, practical steps that we can go through really quick if you guys are uh, interested. Personal disciplines, um, prayer, Bible reading, disciple making. Are we doing those, these things as parents? And then as families, um, are we going to church? I mean, regular church activity, being in community, uh, serving together. I mean, this is super important and, and really hard, but um, seeing families that serve together in church is really helpful. And then having family time. I mean, we, you have to, in this day and age, block out time for your family or you won't do it. And it's super important. So, all right, let's pray. Thank you, guys. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for this day. Uh, we thank you, and we just pray for our kids. We lift them up to you right now, Lord, that you would help us um, to share the gospel with them, Lord, and that you would just love us through that. Give us the opportunity to um, speak into our kids. And we just pray for everybody here in your precious name. Amen.